It's really good to see you tonight. We thank you for coming. We want to especially thank the uh, Reverend Ryan McKee and all the folks, the good men and good women of Macrofelt, uh, to come and join with them tonight uh, to form what is really the, the Macrofelt Choir. Uh, we did enjoy the men during the time of the mission, and I, I did say at that time, you know, it's something in common with the Reverend McRae, and it was this, that I too was born in Macrofelt. Uh, so I look upon myself as a Macrofelt man. Uh, in that sense, I left when I was one and come to Belfast. Um, so, well, well, but that's right, I was born there. That's what they told me. It was the Macrofelt Hospital, right? I think it was in an incubator for six months as well, but that doesn't matter. All right. Um, really, really good to see you. We're really delighted and we've been looking forward to you coming. We've been praying. We're really glad that you're here safely. You've found where Carrie Duff is in the map. It's, it's not that far out, sure it's not. Uh, so we're really, and we do welcome you uh, this evening, some of you for the first time in this new building here the Lord has given us. And we're really delighted to see you. And we're going to ask you to come now and render your first two pieces. Thank you.
sincerely again want to thank the Magerfeld Choir uh, for coming tonight and for that ministry. That was absolutely outstanding, uh, really powerful, two, two lovely pieces. And you think of this world as a veil of tears and then think of that statement, and God shall wipe away all tears. Could I invite you to turn in your Bible to the Word of God, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I just want to read a few verses. Whenever I went home last night, I checked the emails. Some ran around about half eleven. I had this e- email from uh, the newsletter uh, asking if I would submit a little article on some particular matter. Uh, they had a free slot in Thursday's paper, and um, I-, I sat up to the wee hours and produced uh, just a very small article. Um, it's based on. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and the verse 12. So we're going to read from verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. Let's hear the word of the Lord. (coughs) Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who have saved us and called us with unholy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For unto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And I was thinking of Paul's persuasion. He was persuaded of a great presence with him in the onward march of life. He could say not what he believed, but in whom he had believed. And of course, he had believed in the saving and keeping power of Jesus Christ. And he had a great power with him in life's journey because he was being kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And he rejoiced that he is able to keep. And it's not a wonderful thing even to contemplate. And he looked forward to living one day in a great palace, the palace of the king, when he would see Christ face to face and inherit his reward. Shut 
On your behalf, we just want again to thank the choir very much for coming and for that third and final piece, Worthy as the Lamb that was slain. And it's tremendous, of course, uh, when we think about our Saviour. Very especially delighted tonight to have our brother, Reverend Trevor Baxter. He's itching here to get up here and come and share his testimony. So we're really uh, thrilled that he was able to come, and we're going to ask the Lord's servant now to come and minister to us. God bless you, brother. Amen. Thank you very much indeed. It's a real joy to be with you. I uh, was looking down at, in fact, looking, coming in, looking at the choir uh, from Macrofelt. That was tremendous uh, ministry and song. <clears throat> I saw some old faces, some very old faces. <laughs> in the, uh, but I remember many years ago, uh, the first time I think it was that I was in Macrofelt to preach. I don't even think I was a student at that time. But I remember after the morning service, going to a house for my dinner. And I think that's where I was introduced to the kind of food and feeding that the Free Church are famous for. And as you can see, uh, and I, never, I never forget that. I could describe that meal to this very day. Now, I'm not going to embarrass the, the lady because I wouldn't want to hurt Ruth's feelings. <laughs> but uh, it was quite something. And I've always remembered it and haven't forgotten it. I'm interested in all the many doctors that are here. I went to a meeting one night and a young lady was leading it. And she said, now, sir, could you tell me, do I introduce you as Mr., Pastor, Reverend, or Doctor? I said, well, I'm not even a nurse. You don't have to worry about those things with me. Just, just call me up. And she did. And I remember that too. But it's a joy, folks, I have to say this, to be able to come and share a word of testimony uh, with you folk here and carried off. This is the third time in about nine or ten days that I've given my testimony. I did it in Coleraine a week and a half ago or so and Balamone on Sunday night. Uh, and, and it's good to be here again. It's nice to have a testimony, to be saved and to know it, and by telling it, to show it. I want to read some verses from the New Testament, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, please, and base my uh, life story briefly uh, around that. I notice you have no clock about this establishment. As I used to say, I often say to people, I take my watch off and keep it in front of me because uh, with some of our preachers, it's a calendar they need to bring into the pulpit with them. But you're none of that problem uh, with me. I hope you don't anyway, but we'll see how we go. Amen. Ephesians 2 verse 1. And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, 
and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, <clears throat> that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Amen. And we know the Lord will bless his word to all of our hearts for his name's sake. As I said at the start, folks, it's always a joy to have a word of testimony. I want to put this in three simple headings to help you to remember. I want to speak briefly about my past. That's by nature. My present, by grace. And my prospect, by faith. My past, I don't want to dwell very long on things that I did when I was being raised, but I can tell you there were some very nasty things in my life. And I don't want to dwell on them, but let me start by saying that I was born, believe it or not, on the 1st of September, 1948. That's a long time ago. Not as long as some others in the meeting, uh, but it's a long time ago. To save you the bother, uh, I'll be 71 this year. Now you're looking up at me tonight and you're saying, that's impossible. There's no way that fella. I went one day to a door in my Geshel in Dungannon when I was about, I suppose I wasn't barely, I wasn't even 40. And a wee woman came to the door and I started to talk to her, to invite her to the services and all. And she was all here. She said to me, you know, you're very like my nephew. I says, I don't think there's anybody in this town as good looking as I am. But she said, no, you do right enough. But she said, yeah, you'd be a lot older than him. Oh, I says, what age do you think I am? She says, you'd be about 60. <laughs> and I discovered just a few minutes later that the critter had only one eye. So she obviously... <laughs> She obviously wasn't looking right, but uh, that's what she said. Imagine. Anyway, hallelujah. Now, I was brought up, born in a place called Taggers Bay in Belfast. You've heard of the Shankill. You've heard of Sandy Row. Even the Donegal Road, brother. But I tell you, when it comes to loyalism, there's none of those places can touch the bay. People claim to be from Taggers Bay. But you know, there's only three or four streets in Tigers Bay itself. But people from far away claim I was born in Tigers Bay. I don't know why you'd want to boast about it because it was a terrible place. <laughs> it was a rough place. Uh, but I loved it, been reared there. From a very early age, I was sent to church morning and evening, Sunday school. Life. Boys, Boys Brigade, Youth Club, the whole thing. And I tell you something that's true tonight. Folks, never once, in all my early days, never once, did anybody ever tell me that I was a sinner and Jesus loved me. 
didn't remember hearing it from Sunday school teachers, certainly not from the minister. He hadn't much time for the evangelical message of the gospel. I never heard it. I have to tell you that. Sad. Yes, I went to church. I'm going to throw up my bit for my offering every Sunday morning from mother and I never made it to the church. I made it to the sweet shop on the way to the church and two or three refresher chews and away we went and that was it. But I was in church every Sunday. Some fellas used to sit in the gallery played cards when the minister was leading the meeting on Sunday morning. I didn't do that uh, at that time, but I would have done it later because that was one of my great vices, the cards. I loved, I loved poker. I loved card school. But anyway, the home was loyal. My father was an orange man. I carried the strings of the banner from I was able to get about at all, walking to Finnegan. Never forget those meetings, those times uh, on the 12th morning and all of that. Folks, I had it all. But I learned from a very early age to go astray. Nobody had to teach me to do wrong. It was just as a wee man in the country said to me one day, you know, we do wrong, your reverence, because it's just the nature of the beast. And so it is. And we used to have a great system where we went into the wee grocer's shop at the top of the street and he had all these biscuit tins with glass lids packed in the, at the wall. And my mates used to keep him occupied while I stood with my back to the biscuits and swiped them all and stuffed them in my pockets. Were we successful at that? Well, just take a look and you'll know how successful we were. But I would have stolen, listen, I would have stolen the eye out of your head, friend. Just a thief, that's all. And that continued. And I didn't realize that this was wrong. After all, everybody was doing that in the bay. All my mates were doing it. Why should I not do it too? I would have taken money out of my granny's purse just to get to the picture house. Sometimes five or six nights a week. That's how rotten I was in my life. But I had a religion, but it wasn't Christianity, it was football. I had three great loves in my life. Linfield, Liverpool, Glasgow Rangers. Had it slackened a wee bit, but it's, it's still sort of there, you know. And uh, I wanted to be a footballer. And my father, who played football, he had a match or two with Crusaders in the Irish League, and he Played for Brantweed in the B division. His two brothers were footballers as well. And uh, he wanted me to be a footballer. That was his aim. He, we, we had, he had two daughters. One of them died. My, my sister died when she was eight months with meningitis. And my other sister's older. And then there came along me. And he wanted me to be a footballer. But... The age in which I was born, 1948, and around 1950, and just before it, there was an epidemic of polio that hit Northern Ireland and Britain. And I contacted that uh, virus, poliomyelitis it's called. And that meant that there could never be any possibility of me being a footballer. And that broke my father's heart 
when they gave him the news at work, he sat down, I understand, and he cried because of this. It entailed me being in bed at home for a year and a half. That's why I missed out on my education and why I'm such a dope tonight. Isn't it good that it never says in the scriptures, young man, give me your brains. Free Presbyterian ministers are thankful to God for that. Because, but what he does say is, give me your heart. That's what God asked for, the heart. And I couldn't walk or really get out of bed by myself for that year and a half as a young lad, maybe by that time, 10, or 9 or 10 years old. And uh, they took me up to see my granda one day. My grandfather was a, quite a wealthy man in the standards of the day. They used to call him down at the docks where he worked Moneybags Bennett. That was his name. I loved my grand. He was 96 years of age when he died. Lived a long time. But he was as tight as a drum when it comes to money. I want you to know, folks, that although he had money, when he did die, I didn't get one brass cent. Not a penny. Nothing. But that's all right. But when I was at that age and was carried up into the house to see him and sat down in the seat, he took out two pounds out of his pocket. Now, two pounds 60 years ago was a fortune. And he set it in the, the table in, in the end of the room. And he said, right, you boy, if you can walk from where you're sitting to where that money is and you take that money, you can keep it. You know, he, was, he was no mug because he knew his money was safe as houses. For I tried it. Listen, I nearly died in the attempt. Two pound? That would have bought me, I don't know what all. And I tried. And I tried. And I sweated. And I grunted. And I couldn't do it. And he put the two pound back in his pocket. And never saw it again. I had another uncle. He used to give you a hypnotic when he came to the house. Half a pea, that is. Not very much. But he dropped it one day before he had managed to get it to me. He downed his hands and knees and moved furniture till he found it again. And he put that in his pocket too, like father, <laughs> like son. My mother was, a, of course, a daughter. She was different. She was not like that at all. But anyway, folks, that's the way I was raised. Just lived for than here and now for whatever I could ruin or destroy or hurt and lie and cheat my way through my early years until in the providence of God when I was 17 and a half years of age or thereabouts I heard about a preacher on the Ravenhill Road his name was Ian Paisley and uh that's where I ended up. From the moment I saw this man and heard him, I was hooked. The family were very grieved that I became a Paisleyite, but I wore that badge with great pride. I don't know about anybody else in this meeting. And I don't want to get too, say too much because it would get very emotional. But I miss him tonight. I miss him. He's the greatest man I ever knew. He wasn't an infallible man, as we all know. And he wasn't a perfect man. 
but he was a great man. And when it came to the preaching of the gospel, I, I never heard his equal. And it was there, for the very first time in my life, beloved, that I heard the gospel message. And I heard it preached with such power and authority and clarity that I decided I'm going to be religious. So I got myself a wee badge that said on it, Jesus saves. But I was as dark as night still at this time. I really didn't know. But I looked around me in that wee church in Ravenhill Road. And mind you, the first day I went looking for it, I discovered that it was built and it was the corner of Glen Torren Street. That nearly turned me off right away. <laughs> I said, why would anybody call a street such a name as that? But I went and I got there. And the people that were all around, they looked so happy and contented. And you'd have been sitting waiting for the meeting to start when, when somebody would have started singing just from the body of the hall. And then everybody else would join in. I wanted what these people had. And I didn't have it. But I heard the gospel through Dr. Paisley the first time. And it just made a difference. Oh, it, I wasn't saved at that time, mind you, but I was certainly listening and I was interested. Every rally, every meeting all over the country, I was at it. Away we would go. One night in Ballymena, at a big rally, Mr. Paisley was speaking. I bought three wee booklets. I'm coming now to speak not so much about my past that I don't want to dwell on at all or elaborate on to my present. And I got these three wee booklets. They're only two shillings, I think, for the three of them. 10p. One was called Protestant Ministers in the Arms of the Police of Rome, the Archbishop of Canterbury in the Arms of the Pope of Rome, something like that. Another one was a message by, the, by the Dr. Paisley on the sinlessness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the third was a little booklet called In These Last Days. And I took those books home, pamphlets, they were only about 12 or 18 pages, and I read them as I always did. I was an avid reader, still am, and put them away. And then six months later, round about six months later, I took down the little book In These Last Days. And I started reading it again. And I can only describe it that in a moment, as I read that, I realized something. The days that these men are talking about in this wee booklet, I'm not ready for those days. I'm not ready if Jesus Christ was to come back to go out and meet him. I'm not ready. And all the preaching of Ian Paisley and all that I'd heard in the free church over the last year or so all flooded into my mind. And I realized just, just there and then, I'm not saved. Oh, I'm into the free church in a big way. I love it. I love the Protestantism of it. I love what's preached in these churches. But I'm not saved. And it just came on me in a moment. I remember kneeling down. I, didn't, I don't know what I prayed. Couldn't recite the actual prayer. I had an ignorance of the Bible. My father asked me a while before it, 
what John 3.16 was, and I couldn't tell him. Didn't know. But I told God that day, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I'm not saved, and I know I need to be saved. Will you save me now? That's all I remember. That's, that's what I, the gist of it. And folks, I tell you something. He heard me that day. It was the 5th of November. It was 1966. It was three minutes to 12 noon on a Saturday morning. How do you know, you say? I know because I was there when it happened. And I ought to know. Oh, the joy that filled my soul. There were no trumpets blowing or angelic hosts coming down in white garments and singing beside me. None of that, but an assurance and an understanding and a belief that now, although I knelt down at that seat in the little flat in North Belfast as a sinner, when I rose up again, I was still a sinner, but I was a sinner saved by grace. Man, it was instantaneous. It was just as quick as that. Salvation in Christ. I didn't get mere religion that day. I got redemption. I got Christ. I tried turning over a new leaf. But I needed something more than reformation. Beloved, I needed regeneration. And that morning in that little flat, I got that. Saved by grace alone. This is all my plea. Jesus died for sinful men. Therefore, he died for me. Salvation to the... If you're not saved in this meeting, I don't know your heart. But I would say to you young folk, older folk, listen. You should get right with God. You should get saved tonight. It's a wonderful thing to know your sins are forgiven. From that day on, I wanted to serve the Lord. So much I could tell you. I was... People don't believe this, but it's the truth. I was very introvert and very shy. Found it very difficult to speak where there were one or two people beside me. I couldn't hardly talk. And as far as talking to girls was concerned, man, dear, to run a mile before I'd ever tried that. Malarkey, I can tell you that. But I wanted to serve the Lord. Had opportunities to do it. And it's around about that time that I met the young woman that was to become my missus one Sunday night after the Ulster Hall I was going round the city hall some of the boys were on the prowl after those meetings and there was an open air meeting down at the bank buildings just on down Royal Avenue a bit and I heard female voices singing all over the it seemed to be all over the middle of the town of Belfast I made my way to the the source of that sound. And I saw two young girls and they were singing just Jesus and me for each tomorrow. But, but I caught one on right away and I said, now there's a wee lassie I would like to know better. And I would like it to be not only Jesus and me, but Trevor and me. <laughs> and... Uh, the problem was, of course, that as she often tells people, even yet, 50 years on, she tells people, when I first came into contact with Trevor, I hated him. <laughs> uh, that's the word she used. 
Couldn't stand the sight of him. But I know why that was, because there was a fella came over from some country somewhere, Africa or somewhere, uh, to do some preaching, and he was a heretic. Didn't believe in the Trinity, believed in the whole lot of erroneous doctrines. And one night in front of the, Ulster, of the city hall, him and I were at it ha- hammering tongs, arguing. And I, as best as I could, start contending for the faith. I'm a paisley man, I want to tell you you're wrong. And really, Adam. And he, of course, was very dignified and sweet and all the rest of it. Trying to, and that's, I didn't know, but Mary was there watching this, you see. And that was really the, the main reason why that happened. It hasn't eased off much over the years, but there it is. But uh, eventually, anyway, we, we, we got sorted out and got married. And now four children and ten grandchildren later, here we are. And uh, I'm thankful to God for the wife and family that I have. The Lord has blessed me in that regard. Mr. Paisley gave me a job in the martyrs for four years doing outreach work. And our sister, Valerie Shaw, who some of you may have known, who died recently. But Valerie kept at me and talking to me and telling me that I ought to be in the ministry. She seemed to think that the Lord had given some sort of a gift of preaching and I need to exercise it. And she kept at me. She was a big influence in my life. But of course, the big man in this preaching and contending, that spoke volumes to me over the years. Eventually, and it took folks, listen, it took seven years before I said yes to God telling me to go into the ministry. I often wondered about that because the year after I came in, the presbytery in its wisdom, or otherwise, added a fourth year to the studies. And not only to do that, but they added compulsory Hebrew and Greek to the studies. I remember one day in class, Mr. Douglas, and you'll hear him on Friday night, he said, you know, Hebrew is the language of heaven. I put my hand up. Yes, Trevor. It must be Mr. Douglas for sake, nothing on earth. <laughs> and I can tell he, was, he wasn't too pleased, but didn't hold it against me, thankfully. But anyway, uh, we, we got that sorted out and, and got through uh, the studies and was ordained in Gannon many years ago. Had 18 odd years there and then 16 more in Balnehinch Church. And before that, three and a half in Newton Arge as a student. But folks, I've been very blessed. I just want to say this to you. Ever since my ordination, it has been my great privilege as a preacher of the gospel to have conducted a good number of gospel missions all over the place. I think nearly half of our churches at some stage involved in missions in those places. And God blessed and people were saved. But I was praying for my mother and my mom, a wee Belfast woman, through and through. She never talked about people emigrating to New Zealand. It was New Zealand. Put a wee extra letter in the word. But she was Belfast through and through. But she was as dark as night. I prayed for mom for 27 years. Because of Mr. Smiley and his wife Vivian and their great attention and love to my mother and towards her, 
And what they did really, Alan Smiley went over the, the call of duty for this and was so good. Mummy just loved him uh, and his wife. But they, then she started to attend the John Knox Church, you see. And Alan asked me to do a mission there, which I did. And uh, people sometimes ask me, what's the best mission you ever had? And I have no problem answering that because the very last night of that mission, standing with my wife at the front of the church, after it was all over, there had been a couple of people saved during the two weeks, I think, but nothing more than that. But after that, when everybody had gone, suddenly the doors opened, front of the church, and in came Alan and wife, and my mum, and my stepfather, mummy had married eight years after daddy died. He was only 50 when he died. And that's another story because Mr. Paisley led him to Christ as well. Another thing that I'm thankful to God for Dr. Paisley for. But up the aisle they came. Now I couldn't even go into the room. I, I just was in such a state for I knew what was going on. But if a wee while after out they came and Alan just said your mum has got saved. Roy has got saved. They're both now in Christ. There was true holy water shed that night. We wept, but we wept with joy. The Lord had answered prayer. That was my best mission ever. The Lord has blessed us, folks, as he always does. Now coming near the end of the journey, uh, looking back, thankful to him who loved me and gave himself for me. By grace, I was saved through faith. And it speaks here about the ages to come. I have something to look forward to. I have a wonderful prospect in life that I will be with Christ, which I don't deserve. I never merited or earned. But out of his infinite mercy, he sought me and he saved me. The choir were singing that lovely piece. And I love it. There's a new name written down in glory. But I want to tell you something, folks. My name is written down in glory from all eternity. From before the foundation of the world. And so was the choir's names and all the people that are saved here. That's a glorious thing, isn't it? Salvation to the uttermost from all eternity to all eternity. Oh, if you're not saved, listen to us tonight. If you're not saved, come. Taste and see. I finished off with this the other night in Balamoney. I was preaching in the States one time and we were for Dr. Geiler. We were taken up to Lady's house after Sunday morning service that lived in the mountainous regions of southeastern Ohio and we went there for lunch and we were all very hungry had to travel a big distance to get there and the lady had made this wonderful feed like that other woman did many years ago and over there they just everything's in the middle of the table and you just get started now we were all sitting around this huge table and this woman brought out these silver platters that were enormous there was steak in one and chicken in the other. 
We were all sitting there. I, I was up. Listen, I was gotten, as the man said. And I was thinking to myself, would somebody please pray till we get at this? <laughs> Folks, I could smell it. I really could. It was absolutely wonderful. And we were ready for it. But do you know something? Even though we knew it was good, even though we knew it was going to be lovely, we didn't really know until we tasted it. Sitting in a wee cafe today, having coffee, and the thing up on their board. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34. And that's true. It's only when I tasted and saw and felt that I knew how good he is. He is good. And I trust you'll come to know that. And may the Lord help you to do so. And thank you for listening. In Jesus' name. Thank you, sir.